Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in. Happy resurrection season. And remember that he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And we are saved not because of anything we can do or have done, but because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. And then, of course, his resurrection from the dead. Um, so let's get uh, right to our uh, topic. And well, you know, we got to open in prayer. We, we need to ask for help as we always do. Father, thank you for a new day and thank you for giving us purpose because we are alive today. That means if we are in you, in Christ, um, you have a plan for us and you have people that need to be reached. You have a message, a gospel that needs to be shared. And we ask, Lord, for wisdom on how to do that in this culture where there's uh, more resistance to the truth, where there's more um, hostility toward the Christian message and the Christian faith. Well, Lord, we know that you uh, can empower us by your Holy Spirit, so we ask you to fill us again and just uh, prepare us for today and then one day at a time, Lord, for whatever you would have us do, and we ask that your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. We are blessed to have back today Jason Jimenez from Stand Strong Ministries and a faculty member at Summit Ministries. He's a pastor, apologist, national speaker, He's ministered to families for over 20 years, and as a pastor, he has invested in marriages, families, and churches to help them have a greater impact in their communities. And Jason is a worldview expert specializing in cultural, theological, and religious issues. Several of his books, I just want to mention a couple, The Raging War of Ideas, How to Take Back Our Faith, and also there's one called The Bible's Answers to 100 of Life's Biggest Questions, and that was with Dr. Norman Geisler. Uh, but the book we're going to talk about today is called Challenging Conversations. Uh, Jason, thank you so much for coming back on Stand Up For The Truth, brother. Hey, David, it's great to be with you, brother. All right, great to have you on again. And before we uh, get into some of these topics, the cancel culture, and, and of course your book, um, give us an update on your ministry. What have you been doing since we talked last? Well, we just, yeah, been promoting challenging conversations, having a lot of uh, meetings with uh, pastors on these various topics, ranging, again, from porn issues. Uh, just got back uh, speaking uh, to several high school students on depression and mental illness mm. and got to counsel with a lot of them, with a lot of their faculty, and uh, been speaking on doubt at various mm. churches. Um, I mean, obviously, as COVID has just remained, you know, through the culture uh, over a year now, we have seen the rise of not just depression, David, but also attempted suicides. Um, you know, the, the all the counselors I've been talking to around the country, uh, I just was on a conference call with several of them that are, that are actually helping me with the new book I'm writing called Parenting Gen Z, and wow. they're they're all booked. They're just book solid, and they're actually looking for people who have retired or who are part-time to try to go full-time. Uh, because of the doubts that people are having, the depression that people are having, uh, people who've uh, either attempted suicide or committed suicide is skyrocketed. Hmm. So we are just trying to, in the midst of this pandemic, you know, obviously still travel is is limited, but picking up more and more. Uh, but it, it's these restrictions have prevented opportunity to be able to get, you know, people in groups right to mm -hmm. to not just converse about these things, but to 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 relate to have that physical touch, you know what I mean, to bond yeah. and to connect with people. So just finding ways, as I'm sure you and other people listening are, have tried to do to uh, counter um, the the loneliness that a lot of people are experiencing. So we're just really trying hard to do that. But the main thing is focusing on this new uh, project that we are doing with Focus on the Family, helping a lot of the millennials in Gen X, which I'm the generation of Gen X, who are raising Gen Z, the current generation that has now been entering college, and of course, this is the generation right after millennials, and trying to appeal to this 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 very high percentage of biblically illiterate parents to engage and model the faith to Gen Z, who of course 
um, like their predecessors, the millennials, are not walking in Christian faith. Mm. Uh, many of them have no religion at all. Many of them are spiritual. Uh, many of them, of course, are, are really um, involved in social justice. They embrace the cancel culture, safe zones, that sort of thing. And so it's it's been quite the challenge. I mean, working with teens uh, since the 90s now, it, just looking at the the, the subject matters and the way in which you go about discussing them is a lot more difficult than it was 20 plus years ago. Mm, wow. I, it's, I mean, I was um, not quite in school 20 plus years ago, but uh, even back then uh, things were hard. And today I've with the young generation, not only with all the challenges with the internet and uh, everything else, the pressures of public life. And if you're a Christian, uh, everything that's coming against you, but now we've got the what happened with the COVID lockdowns with less interaction. I can imagine. I, I, I'm glad you brought that up because part one in your book, Challenging Conversations, you talk about mental health issues and substance abuse and pornography. And I would imagine that along with depression and uh, suicide, uh, at least, uh, you know, thoughts, if not attempts, everything has gone up because of this isolation. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about what you've learned from uh, talking with young people? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the one of the things that I tend to start off with, you know, because it's such a deep conversation where a lot of them don't open up and they're not vulnerable, mm. um, and it's scary, right? It's scary to think that you have a lot of these uh, high schoolers now, David, who the first thing when hardship comes or they're faced with adversity or they suffer loss with something. And, it's, and we know that Gen Z, especially since 2000 to 2015, that's within the bracket of that generation. You know, they've seen from the Y2K to 9-11, you know, they're the digital natives. They've always had a blue screen in front of them. Mm. Uh, they've seen two different big recessions. They've seen the war. They've grown up in the war of terror. That's all they've ever known. Um, they are also the generation of mass school shootings. And so they've seen violence. Matter of fact, one of the stories I tell in my latest book coming out, friends of ours, their own son, uh, and then another friend of ours, their daughter, uh, here in Charlotte, there was a shooting a few years ago. They were in the classroom and they witnessed the shooting. Oh, wow. Um, so to get their perspective of mm -hmm. what they've had to see, um, I've never experienced anything. I grew up on the south side of Tucson where I there were gunshots, violence, gang members. Um, but to see it happen in front of me at school where you're supposed to be safe and learning, you know, about math and science and things like that, and, and to have a, an active shooter... So what's happening, David, is when you, you already have this generation that's filled with so much anxiety. And as I mentioned before, as the generations of parents have, have gone on into the, into the millennial generation now, the biblical literacy is low is below 20%. Mm. And there's a direct correlation there. Yep. Parents who do not know God, they don't know Christ as their Lord and Savior, they don't know the Bible, and if they're not actively involved not just in small groups, but in a Bible-teaching church, their children do not have a biblical worldview. Okay, we know that correlation, but it also affects their parenting, their way of how they're able to discipline with the proper authority that God has given them. And when you add all these things up, the culture, the mass hysteria, the blue screens, and what it's doing to the pe people's brains, the children, you know, the side effects they're having, sleep deprivation, lack of, of motivation, etc., and you have no Christianity that is feeding into their soul. Mm. You have this pointlessness, this lostness that a lot of these young people are conveying. And they, they may not see the correlation. They may not recognize it because they don't have a they don't have faith in God. They may believe there is a God to, you know, to some extent, maybe deistic or whatever. Uh, they may have a parent who professes to be a Christian, but there's no strong faith, David. Mm -hmm. Now, they may not know that, but they know there's something wrong. And so the sad thing is, when, when, when you ask a young person, why are you depressed, they can't pinpoint it. So when you ask the next question, says, well, what do you do when you are depressed? Mm. Uh, the, the majority of them will say two things, watch YouTube videos or listen to music. Do you realize that prayer and reading the Bible is less than 1% oh, among Gen Zers? Goodness. It's pathetic. Yes. And it breaks my heart because I don't look at them thinking you're pathetic. I look at the situation as pathetic because we have allowed this on our watch. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of these kids, they don't know how to cope with adversity. They don't know how to overcome it. And they certainly, when they're going through a trying time or they're faced with some type of loneliness or despair that's causing them to even have thoughts of suicide, they don't know who to turn. Now, 
the other thing that's sad, Dave, that I want to mention real quickly is so they, if they look at you, if they watch YouTube videos to try to pass the time and hope that the anxiety that they're feeling or the worry will go away or the depression or they're just listening to music and a lot of times they're listening to depressing music. So it just escalates the situation. Um, it doesn't help them in the end. That's what they do, but they know it doesn't help them. So the next thing you say is, okay, well, you know, again, do you pray or do you talk to your parents or what do you do? The second thing they do is they don't pray, they don't talk to their parents, they go talk to a friend. Mm. So what's happening now in this generation, they don't look to their parents to guide them much anymore, like previous generations did. And secondly, they don't look to people like you and me. Mm. They'll right. look to a friend. Right. And oftentimes when you trace that, says, well, when, you talk, when you go talk to a friend, what does that look like? Is that like you physically getting together and meeting at a Starbucks or whatever? And it's, of course, it's on Snapchat or Instagram. So there is no physical connection that they're having when they're feeling the most depressed in their lives or the most lonely. Wow. Wow. I mean, that's that's sobering. I think for a lot of people listening right now, we're just getting a, a better glimpse of what young people are dealing with. I mean, adults feel this way, too. Adults can do the same thing. They can turn to the Internet. They can turn to uh, men can turn to sports. Women can turn to uh, what you know, what conversations with their friends or whatever it might be. But they don't. We miss the interaction, but you say something very, uh, very profound, but very, I mean, easy to understand in your book. In the very beginning, you say that challenging conversations are a necessary evil uh, because we really, most of us don't like them. We don't like confrontation, but you say if we're going to get to the truth, we need to talk about important issues and ask important questions. And these are some of the things that I think the church has generally avoided for quite a few decades. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree, and it's sad to say, but again, if we're going to fix the problem, we have to identify the problem. And not only that, but if I'm part of the problem, I got to also have to recognize that as well. <laughs> a lot of times as Christians today, and I find myself in a lot of meetings or having discussions with people, again, that you and I respect and that we adore and that we have commonality with, but there, a, lot, a lot of times Christians speak in generalizations, and they're not being specific or they're not taking responsibility for themselves. And what you find is when it comes to challenging conversations, it is a way of life. And yet we don't, like you said, talk about it, something that's taboo or something that's controversial or something because it's so divisive today. And we have a lot of disagreements out there. We, we have a tendency as Christians to think we, we shouldn't have disagreements because that's unbiblical. When in fact, no, challenging conversations are a way of life. We have them in our marriages. We have them with um, our children. We should have them with loved ones because you and I know that there are going to come a time when we will disagree. There will come a time when someone will be persuaded with a particular ideology that will lead them astray. That's a challenging conversation. Somebody will get caught up in drugs or a bad influence of some sort. That's a challenging conversation. Somebody, as we are just talking about, with depression or somebody who's addicted to porn or somebody who's looking to leave their spouse or has left their spouse or they're committing adultery. Those are challenging conversations. And so what I say in the book is, it's good for us to disagree or to confront an issue, but we're to do it in love. And so when we have these open debates with someone, I want them to think about, think about it as a baseball game, not a boxing match. There will be <laughs> swinging, but we're not looking to attack the person, right? That's good. So, so that's, what, that's what people need to understand. And the thing is, what happens, David, because challenging conversations becomes taboo in itself, just, just the concept of a challenging conversation, no matter what the subject matter is, just Having a disagreement with somebody in this cancel culture today, people want to remove it completely. And I tell people, say, wait a second, you don't have to be defensive when you are disagreeing with someone. You can defend what you believe, okay? Even if the person hasn't really thought it through, that's one of the reasons why we need to have challenging conversations because people don't really understand what it is they believe and why they believe it, mm-hmm. whatever the topic. Mm-hmm. You believe people are born gay, that's your belief. Why did you come to that conclusion? Where did you get that? You know, research, data, I just want to know. And a lot of times even that itself can become very offensive to people by just pressuring them to give a reason exactly as to what they believe. But yet Christians are always to be give, given reasons as to what we believe. And yet cancel culture sometimes often interferes and says, no, you have no business saying whatever you're going to say. And the moment you try to object against someone or to critique their point of view— 
you're being intolerant and we, and there's no place for intolerance. And so a lot of Christians have even succumbed to that strategy. And that's unfortunate. Yes. And I'm glad you brought up cancel culture as we're going to be talking about your book, challenging conversations for uh, the the, uh, hour today, but we are faced with a lot of things that are just head scratchers in our culture. Meaning uh, for example, here, a USA today, major newspaper in America. um, Someone wrote that they want to cancel Oral Roberts University, you know, they were one of the Cinderella stories, the NCAA March mm-hmm. Madness, uh, the tournament, but they, they lost, I think, yesterday. But they mm-hmm. they beat two top seeds. I mean, they beat two incredible teams, and they were advancing in this tournament. And someone from USA Today said they shouldn't be in the tournament because of their Christian beliefs. And, Jason, I want you to respond to what Tony Perkins said at the Family Research Council. He said, the progressive view goes way beyond the basketball court. He said, quote, because the real goal here isn't just pushing ORU to the exits. It's about driving all Bible-believing Christians, Christian education, and Christian institutions into some sort of spiritual ghetto far away from the public square. And we have seen this progression in our culture. What do you think about that? Yeah, and I think Tony's right. And that's the sad thing is that oftentimes what we're seeing, though, unfortunately, David, is on, we're on the defense mm-hmm. rather than being on the offense. We're having exactly. to defend why that's wrong rather than just saying, hey, it's a great thing that or Roberts or, you know, UCLA for that matter. They haven't, you know, the ones that have the most championships in the NCAA basketball for men, and yet they haven't been in um, since 2008, and yet they're back, and they're 11th seed. That's great as well. So in a cancel culture to what Tony was pointing out, yeah, they definitely want to uh, take anything that's that's remotely religious or Christian and remove it from society and almost put us in our own, like he says, ghettos. And, you know, that's terminology mm-hmm. that's related to times that we have seen, unfortunately, in the world. Particularly, mm-hmm. we think of the ghettos that the Jewish people were placed in, and then eventually they were put on trains, and then eventually they went to, to, to places where they um, were, quote-unquote, exterminated, right, by the Nazis. And now, we are far from that here in America, so I don't want to go to an extreme. But what's extreme here right now, what we're seeing is a redefinition of truth, okay? Because this, notice, has nothing to do with basketball. Right. It has everything to do with that they're a Christian school. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, this, elite, this elitist mentality says, wait a second, we spend all this time and energy and money into these big schools that propagate our message, and yet you have this little, tiny, private, institutionalized school that gets no government funding. They have no business being with these elite schools, <laughs> right? And not only that, but they have no business... Uh, you know, to be around because they could be proselytizing. So even like we're in a COVID season, wear your mask in six feet. That's how they're wanting Christians to be. Wear your mask, meaning shut up, <laughs> stay away from people so you don't infect them with your viruses. And that is, that is the language there is hate speech itself. So that's why the thing with cancel culture is it cancels itself out by its own admission. And we see this time and time and time again. And what Christians need to do, David, in all due respect, we need to stand our ground, not be bullied, understand what is happening on a spiritual level with spiritual warfare, as well as being prepared as we do, right, in apologetics to train people to defend the faith so that they can oppose the opposition and not succumb to subjectivity, but to embrace and hold fast to objective truth. And so that's what Tony was doing there in that situation. Good, you know, good for Oral Roberts, but notice how cancel culture politicizes uh, sports now, and I don't think that's going to go away, and it's unfortunate. No, I don't. And there's so many other issues that play into this, uh, into as far as the sports and entertainment, critical race theory and the Black Lives Matter movement, the global network, um, which we don't have time to get into, but we want to get jump back into your book when we come back from our break. Uh, the book is called Challenging Conversations by Jason Jimenez, and you can get it on Amazon or you can go to his website, which is standstrongministries.org. Jason, I've appreciated a lot of the videos you've done. When we come back from our break, if you want to just uh, you know share how people can uh, you know watch some of those. You talk about recent events or issues in the church and, of course, cancel culture. But we've got a couple other stories to address as well. So first of all, where can people access your videos? 
they can just go to YouTube and look up Jason Jimenez and check out my YouTube videos there. And they can also go, like you mentioned, StanStrongMinistries.org. And if they want to watch the videos to the book, they can go to ChallengingConversations.org. Awesome. So several websites. We'll try to put that in the podcast post for today. When we come back, more on cancel culture and challenging conversations with Jason Jimenez when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Our guest today, Jason Jimenez, the website StandStrongMinistries.org, and you can pick up a copy of his book on Amazon. It's called Challenging conversation, so many great topics and questions that he dives into, and we'll get into a couple more of those. But Jason, before we do a story, another disturbing story about how um, art and entertainment is is just, I mean, people have lost their minds. They're allowing this supposedly under free speech, but there's a rapper, I guess his name is Lil Nas X. I don't know if that's, yeah. if I said that yeah, right. He unveiled yeah. what, what, what they're calling Satan Shoes supposedly containing a little bit of human blood, limiting uh, to 666 pair of shoes, I guess, that were produced. Um, they are th- over $1,000, and it's just disturbing. Even, even I just watched a little bit of the video, and I'm just amazed. Never heard of the guy, but this is, this is demonic. And we're seeing more and more of this blatant and open rebellion against God. Um, of course, this doesn't fall under cancel culture. This just falls under a, we've lost it as, as far as a moral people in America. Yeah, and you know, the thing that people need to understand is, you know, with Lil Nas, he, his video, which, I mean, last time I checked it, over 25, I think 30 million views already. Oh my goodness. But it's, it has biblical and occultish imagery, and so it's literally him in the garden being seduced by Satan himself um, and, you know, looking at the forbidden fruit. And, and uh, so, you know, he's, he's depicting some of that stuff from Genesis, but adding these satanic symbols and, of course, 666 and hmm. with the blood and, and the satanic imagery that he's going with. And so, yes, I mean, it's pure as day. Now— a lot of the the Satanists would say that's that's something that they don't necessarily approve of, you know, just kind of the propaganda, you know what I mean, with merchandise and, and you know to make money and and put things on display like that. And a lot of people, like you said, would refer to it just as simple art, and that's true in the, in a sense. One, there's three things that people have to understand when it comes to satanic things, and this is very important. Something I've conveyed to my kids multiple times. When you're dealing with with, with spiritual warfare, I mean, obviously this is very blatant, as you mentioned. We could talk about how this is degrading. Mm-hmm. Um, this this is uh, can be very uh, it's a mockery to God. You know, it's a graven image. Uh, you know, anytime you're you're using the term Satan uh, or using occultic imagery, you know that has its place in time with different uh, occults of you know and through history and kind of the meaning behind them. A lot of people are gullible by that, therefore it's innocent. When that's not in fact true. So three things that people have to understand. Number one. Satan can get to people um, through their their mind and their heart, right? So we have to we have to be very careful through music. Remember, I just told you Gen Z. The first thing they do when they're feeling lonely or depressed is listen to music. The second is YouTube videos. So music is is very powerful. Speaks to the soul, right? It's an it's an emotive. So his song added to these shoes, right? Call me by your name is the song uh, Montero. Um, it you know does that right so so one we have to be very careful there number two is the location in which Satan oftentimes attacks with his minions we see that in Ephesians six that there's ranks and files of demons and what they do hmm. um, you know so do, you know, so if you think if you think about it zip code we have to be sensitive to certain zip codes if you will right that means in in the locales of where Satan is active some neighborhoods for example have a lot of human trafficking other neighborhoods let's say have a lot of greed other neighborhoods could have a lot of gang violence, right? A lot of them can have uh, poverty. A lot of them can be infested with drugs. You know, and you're always wondering about that, right? Mm, why, yeah. why are these locations dominated by this type of quote-unquote sin and bondage? And these other areas, uh, not so much. Oftentimes what we do is we make it a black Mexican or white issue. It's beyond that, yep. right? Yes, a lot of these ethnic groups suffer as a result of these things. And why is that, though? The question is, why is that? Is it because it's just an ethical issue? Or is it more than that? I believe at the heart of it, at the root of it, is a demonic thing. 
third thing we have to understand, and this is what applies to these shoes, Satan uses imagery. Satan uses objects. Okay, and so this is this is an object that is that that Satan is allowing through this 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 uh, rapper to use shoes. And again, remember, kids these days love shoes, right? They love um, having a certain pair of shoes, and they'll be willing, whether they're Easy's with Kanye West or Air Jordans or these new shoes by Lil Nas. They will spend the money because shoes represent a lot. You see a lot of these prosperity preachers, a lot of these uh, celebrity pastors wearing these very expensive shoes. It's becoming like uh, a symbol, right, of who they want to be or who they want you to think they are. Uh, Not just suits like one, you know, they used to be or hats or something like that. So I think in the process, Satan is up to something here with shoes because they just symbolize more than something you just wear, right, so you don't get your feet hurt. Um, there's a symbol there, and, and Satan can use that and advance that for his purposes. And so this is what this is, blatant right in front of us. And not only that, but the boxes that these shoes come in are depicting you know, nude people, right? And it's, just, it, and it's a slur of these, of these imageries that is very demonic and has a lot of those ancient uh, depictions that are meshed in there of oppression, mm. right, and these slave-like beings um, that are being lured by Satan. So it's, a, it's so he's a, he's putting it out there in front of people uh, because we have been in the bondage of Satan since the Garden of Eden. So in a way, he's 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 aligning to, uh, but of course he believes it to be mythological. But he but still he's taking a, a truth that we that you and I, for example, as Christians, believe to be the case. But the way that he twists it is almost glorifying Satan. That right there, David, is very dangerous. And so I think that this is one of those cases where we have to um, stand against this type of thing and go after companies. When I say that, meaning I'm not a big boycott person, but there comes a time and a place when you have to say enough is enough. And I think this is the time we have to do that. Amen. I mean, Isaiah warns in Isaiah 520, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. And this demonic expression of what you call it art, but it's it's a basketball or just a tennis shoe. It is evil, and it's driven by. I mean, obviously they're they're saying, yeah, this is uh, these are Satan shoes. Um, this is really disturbing to a lot of Christians listening right now because you think, well, wait a minute, how would Nike? And well, let's stop right there. Um, Nike, a lot of their shoes, from what I understand, are made in China. Uh, they don't exactly have the best. Uh, um, uh, worker laws over there <laughs> in their factories mm-hmm. to make these shoes, and they've con- they have contracts with the NBA and all this. But uh, there are some problems with China, with Nike, and with in the past. So why do you think? Why do you think they would allow this to be under their label? Because I think it exposes what's really at the heart of our industry these days. That's what this is. That's mm. remember it's the heart of the issue. I mean, it, the thing about it. If, if, if it's one thing when you have a drop of blood, and then you, but you think about it, what's interesting, David, is with this whole pandemic, we all have to wear masks. Masks are proven not to, you know, uh, cure or prevent somebody from getting um, the virus. Um, we're we're told to, to to be six feet away from people, but yet you know you have a drop of blood. What blood from what type of human in these shoes? Um, so that doesn't make any sense during a pandemic that you would be marketing a shoe with with human blood in it. Um, not, not only that, but to put Luke ten eighteen, uh, you know, where Jesus said, "I saw Satan, you know, coming down from heaven, a lightning bolt, right?" Mm-hmm. And to put that on the shoe, so it's a direct correlation, and not and then, like I said, the videos in conjunction to this is showing paganism to where little Nas, you know, kills Satan takes his thorn or his horns and crowns himself as God. Um, so th- th- this this right here, again, explicitly is portraying what is behind our own industry here in America. And this is what happens when you remove God, because what you do is, and this is anthropomorphism um, in, in the nature of human beings born in sin, right? You know, original sin based on what we see in the garden. But it's, as, it's also anthropocentric, where we then claim ourselves to be God. And this is what this is depicting. And and so again, yes, that's why I'm saying going back to the boycott thing. Mm-hmm. People have to understand that we are now 
in a time, and we have been for quite some time, but we are now in a time when you have the targets of the world, the apples of the world. I mean, you name it, right? And so it's, you think about how unfortunate it is, mm-hmm. even Costco, um, you, that you have these uh, CEOs, COOs, and CFOs, right? All the top guys and gals who are running these these huge multi-billion dollar companies, they're caving. Look at our military. Our own military yes. now is, is when you have graduations now, they're having the gay gay flag there and they're putting they're putting little visors of, of the rainbow on hats and embracing that and the military is getting back to doing um not just uh same-sex issue you know thera- therapeutic things but they're also looking to you know support you know reassignment surgery um you know for for people that are in the military i mean all this stuff is blatantly showing this is what happens when you turn away from god and you believe as man does in this in this sick twisted nature like you just recording from Isaiah 520 that we define our own truth we are truth and in this sense we are our own god i'm going to make a connection here jason to your book um going back to something you write about the moral decline in the church and why we have allowed it to get this far but before i do that um you know nike there are a lot of reasons that the human rights abuses over in china and their their production of nike shoes but i do want to clarify something in this article over at breitbart it does say that the original version uh, said Nike collaborated on the creation of these Satan shoes, but Nike made a statement apparently that said they did not release nor design these shoes. Now, I don't know if they're just playing semantics, but they said they did not release them, but they, yet it's got the, the Nike swoosh on there. So, you know, you, people can do their own uh, research on this. But because we have allowed these kinds of things I mean, just look at the rap, the music industry. We just had the Grammys. Basically, a pornographic lesbian sex scene practically on primetime television. Now, you write about the moral decline in the church. A little part in your book, Challenging Conversations, you write three things, um, three categories. The weakening of theology in the church, the breaking away from consecration, holiness, and the worshiping of self. I, can you expound on that just a little bit? Because there's a foundational issue here, Jason, that the church has not been engaged in culture, exposing the darkness, shining our light, preaching the gospel, defending the faith and the truth. And it goes back to this decline in our own camp, doesn't it? Yeah, and I, and I think that's why a lot of times what happens is Christians, and again, when, when I'm passionate about this, is because, yes, I am a follower of Jesus Christ, a disciple of Christ. I'm, you know, as a Christian and dwell as you are with the power of the Holy Spirit, like anybody who professes to know Christ as the Lord and Savior. We believe in the resurrection, a historical account that we'll be celebrating, obviously, this week, uh, since after Passover yesterday. But we also believe as a Christian that our hope is that we will receive a resurrected body someday and spend eternity with Christ. And so on this, at this time that we have in this world, uh, we have one life to live. And Jesus Christ is the answer. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through him. And we believe that with all of our hearts, don't we, David? Mm, and so when yeah. we are encountering these type of things, um, I don't hate these people exactly. with a vengeance, exactly. right? Uh, I believe they're lost. Mm. And so when you hear passion in my voice and saying this is despicable or this is horrific, or it, yes, is because I oppose this uh, in my being through the power of the Holy Spirit. But with that is want to convey to these individuals uh, the the truth that is in Jesus Christ. You know, even in a cancel culture, that it could become very offensive. And you know what? It should be because, in essence, we're saying is, yeah, if you don't know, and I didn't come up with this. You didn't come up with this. Jesus himself said this. Peter the apostle said that there's no other name given among man on earth in which we must be saved but the name Jesus Christ. Amen. And it's very explicit. And and Christianity is not the only exclusive religion that makes these type of exclusive claims. So exclusivity is not just exclusive to Christianity, but what we would say is when you study and examine it, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is the Son of Man. And there's the proof text, and we'll maybe have a different show we can talk about, you know, you know the reliability of Scripture and, you know, predict the prophecy and look at the resurrection accounts, etc., um, to, to, to prove that. But the point is right now is I say all that because, you know, there's such lostness where people don't even know what it is that's happening and why it's happening the way that it is. Yes. So you have a lot of these people like Little Bass or whoever, they'll fill in the gap. 
They'll fill in the gap for you. And the reason why this is happening, we can get so fixated on issues themselves that we neglect to realize what I was pointing out in my introduction to the book. The moral decline that was taking place happened among us. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not just an issue. You know, we just take issue to you know, same-sex marriage or we just take issue to abortion. These things have happened the way that they've happened because of the weakening of theology where people have secularized their point of view, where the Bible is no longer objective, uh, but it's more subjective. And there's this, you know, this movement that we're seeing more and more of this progressivism that's happening in the church, David, where people uh, don't want to spend time in God's Word. They want to talk a little bit about it, but it's like more like a feel-good message. Well, that's the weakening of theology. When you have the weakening of theology, what's going to happen is consecration is going to break down beyond that. Because if we're not turning to the Holy Word of God that the Holy God has spoken to us, we're not going to be living as He himself is holy, right? That's right? So holiness is optional. It's not a priority. And then last but not least, as we're just talking about with this depiction of Little Nass in his video where he puts the horns on claiming himself to be God, essentially, <laughs> that ultimately is what happens, is the worshiping of self. Yeah. Because inevitably, Satan doesn't want a direct correlation of you worshiping him. I believe that comes later in the end times with the Antichrist. But right now, he wants people to idolize and look to Little Nas. He wants people to be looking at Cardi B. He wants people to be looking at Joe Biden. He wants people to be looking at them, thinking they're the answer. They're going to help you. Look at how they've overcome oppression. You can do the same. And it's almost like you're liberating yourself, and that is a form of idolatry. That's right. Amen. Hey, uh, brother, we've got two minutes left in this segment, and uh, we were kind of uh, weaving in the theme of cancel culture. um, And— You've got several uh, ministry sites, and you've got social media platforms. Have you been uh, censored, shadow banned? Have you had issues with being, quote, canceled in some form or fashion? Yeah, I mean, on social media right now, I'm still under partial bans, so we, we can't we can't really break out. <laughs> That's tolerant uh, of them, isn't it? Yeah, it's very tolerant of them. <laughs> so it's hard, you know, with, with the, as people know, in social media especially, there's algorithms, you know, and, you know, so when you— you know, you bring a certain topic uh, or name recognition, uh, you know, it, you're not going to be, you know, searched high uh, because of the blockage that they have there because they want a certain narrative to, to go through. Um, so we're dealing with that. We've been we've been dealing with that for now for over two years and there's no end in sight. Um, uh, as we know, other friends of mine who are Christians, um, they've been banned completely or they've lost their Facebook page, for example. Um, Challenging Conversations has um, been removed, you know, from certain bookstores um, that they will not take. Um, And, you know, so you're receiving that kind of stuff because, again, we deal with same-sex marriage. We deal with transgenderism. We deal with uh, topics that uh, cancel culture, you know, has a certain narrative. And so anything that remotely goes contrary to their narrative, uh, they're not going to allow. And so obviously, as we've seen with Dr. Seuss and others, uh, this continues to be the case. So, yeah, I've definitely in my profession, um, and again, am I, am I suffering? Am I complaining? No. Um, but as an author, right, a person who makes their living off of writing books and speaking, um, cancel culture is certainly tr- – that's, that's one aspect. You know, they're trying to defeat you yep. by preventing you from making a living. And that's not, you know, obviously capitalism at its best. Right. But, so- yeah. So we, we've definitely had to deal with that. I, I want to pick up with that point and just ask how we can better face this, knowing that it's going to come at us as Christians who are those who are, who are speaking the truth when we come back. Um, Jason Jimenez is our guest. The book is called Challenging Conversations. And we'll talk about a whole lot more of these issues in just a minute on Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Our guest today, Jason Jimenez, the book Challenging Conversations. I've got a resource list in front of me that I've put together over the last many years. Um, I tried to narrow it down to about 150 links and resources for Christians, conservatives, um, with the biblical worldview on news, current events, commentary, and it's in alphabetical order, and I'm looking at the J's. Let's see, uh, Jay Seeger, Jack Hibbs, Jan Markell, J.B. Hickson. Oh, there's Jason Jimenez, Stand Strong Ministries. So if you would like to get this, we just put a blog up a couple days ago at StandUpForTheTruth.com. But Jason, I want to let you share some any insights that you have with those who were listening to this last segment where we are getting 
censored. We are getting we are being discriminated against big tech. There's a big media conglomerate that is their worldview is antichrist. It is an anti-Christian worldview. So, of course, they don't want our message, the truth and the light to be out there. So we're going to be limited more and more probably as we uh, continue on. So your thoughts on what the average person that's listening right now can do feeling like, man, there's so much coming against us. Yeah, and I appreciate it, David, because, I mean, we're talking at the break is it, it can get overwhelming. and It is overwhelming. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll admit, I mean, I'm, I'm, I've been doing this for 22 years and wow. have a solid group of people around me that I can turn to for prayer, for guidance, uh, to pick their brain if I'm, if I'm writing an article or, or a book and, and just, you know, people that I idolize and look up to and respect and, you know, solid marriage with my wife and love my children, good relationship with them. But you're right. Even still, even just coming out of church yesterday, like many people listening right now to us, you know, and you're uplifted and you're encouraged and you're, and you're with people who are like-minded. But man, if you're, if we're focused so much, my pastor was just saying this. He says, if you're spending hours on social media and you're getting all this bad news and then you spend five, 10 minutes in prayer and reading God's word, Again, what are you feeding the most of? Mm. Uh, you're feeding that anxiety and that fear. And yes. so when people are in fear and they, they have to keep informed, they're like, well, is it going to get any better? What about the stimulus? What about, you know, is it, what are they saying about the pandemic? Is it, is, it, is it lessening or is it spreading? And if it's spreading, do I go out again? And just everyone's panicking and, and double-guessing and, you know, always not, not in a form of contemplation, but they're in a, in, in a, in, in a, uh, a stress level of panic constantly. And that's doing a number on our minds and our hearts, just not just spiritually, but physically as well. So here's what I would say to people. Like the Bible says over and over again repeatedly, number one is you have to pray when it's hardest to pray. That's something Billy Graham always said. And so when, when Jesus tells us to pray, and when we see in the Scriptures to pray constantly, to pray without ceasing, and to pray with thanksgiving, I encourage everybody listening Whatever you're faced with in your marriage or a crisis with a Gen Z kid or with a millennial or you've lost your job or you've lost a loved one to the pandemic or you yourself have been affected because of cancer culture or you're being labeled a homophobic or racist or, you know, you're freaking out because of the stimulus. You're freaking out because of the debt ratio. You're freaking out because Biden's president. You're freaking out (laughs) because the border's out of control. You're freaking out because of North Korea or whatever. See, it's just endless, David. Yes, it is. People have to pray. People have to pray. You have to when I when I look at this and I think little Nass in these shoes, that's despicable. Okay, that is a mockery to God. But guess what? God will not, nor can He be mocked. Mm. There is no one greater than God. That is who I worship, and I pray for little Nass. I pray for him. I pray against what he stands for. I pray he comes to know Christ as his Lord and Savior, and I pray fervently in the Spirit as we ought to pray. That's what I encourage people. Number two, as we are talking earlier in the other break about weakening of theology, Christians have to be in the Word, yep. period. That I got my two teenagers together the other night because we're having some spiritual warfare in our house, and I was going to bed, and my wife says, did you talk to the kids? You know, And I said, you know, I didn't. Grab my Bible, go down to the basement. They're sitting there just hanging out, and I said, guys, can, can, I, can we just talk about a few things? And boom, we jumped into a conversation. I read through Ephesians 6. I prayed over them, and they asked some questions about, Dad, what's happening, what's going on? They're really sensitive to that. Wow. But we prayed together against the attacks of the enemy. We, I said, guys, this is our sword, mm. yes. the Word of God. Jesus quoted the Scripture. We need to know Scripture. And I, as a father... I am standing in the gap for you guys, and you don't have to worry because he who's in us is greater than he who's in the world. And the confidence that my kids have after that, I can't explain. It was amazing. It was like, wow. it was like we're all good. Wow. Okay? That's the comfort of God, the power of God. And that's why you and I, we say, stand strong in the mighty power of God, Ephesians 6, verse 10. And then the last thing I'd say to people is you can't battle alone. You may have the armor of God on, but if you are a lonely soldier out there in the field, you're a target. You're going to get defeated. You're going to get surrounded. Yep. And so you have to make sure that you're not fighting the battle. Or as Paul says in 2 Timothy 4, you can't run the race alone. You have to be with others. And so we have to make sure that we are surrounding ourselves with other people. And if I may, the last thing I would actually really 
Um, and I appreciate, you know, us talking about my latest book, Challenging Conversations. But there was actually a book that I wrote with my friend, Alex McFarland. Love him. That this would actually help people, David. And it's Stand Strong in Your Faith. Mm-hmm. Because that book we have used, and I wrote it to, for this very purpose. People were struggling with doubt. People struggling with not, tr- not understanding what God has for them in their life, whether the resurrection was true. How do I know the Bible's true? Uh, Jay, I, I find the Bible to be boring. Or I, I can't, I can't understand it. Like all of these excuses that I would be getting as a pastor through the years. That's why we wrote "Stand Strong in Your Faith," and that is a perfect little book that can help Christians right now who feel defeated, who are uh, overwhelmed or depressed, to go through that book because we deal with doubt, but we deal with how, as a Christian, you could be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and what that looks like in your life. Because I think that right there, David is a deciding factor for any one of us. We have so many Christians who profess to know Christ, but many of them are not living in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's right. That's right. What a, a Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Uh, Jason, let's wrap it up in uh, six minutes or less. Let's talk about all the issues with uh, Roman Catholic doctrine. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But, <laughs> but seriously, uh, the, you mentioned the decline of theology and maturity in the Church, and this is Easter season. We're celebrating the empty tomb, of course, all year round, but we really point to it this week, uh, Passover time, and we just, you know, the, the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, and now this coming Sunday we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is our hope, and our faith is in that. There is a gospel exclusivity that is lost in the modern-day Church, and because the, the, it's 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 People say it's intolerant of us to say Jesus is the only way. He said it himself, and I want to get your take. I asked one of our guests last week, I don't remember which one, about the Pope's recent comments. He said, Mary is the bridge to God. He said, Mary is not only the bridge joining us to God, she is more. She is the road that God traveled to reach us, and she is the road that we must travel in order to reach him. Your thoughts on Christians need to know how to respond to this, because you mentioned theology, and this is important, isn't it? Yeah, it's very important. I was raised Catholic. I have a lot of family in the Jimenez family who are Catholic. Um, I just was recently, you know, watching uh, Bishop Barron, a great theologian, a great philosopher. Of course, I don't agree with all of his theology uh, because of, you know, their, their view as a Catholic, their view of justification uh, that's meritorious justification versus, as a Christian, a Protestant, we believe in forensic uh, justification. And, you know, again, that's explicitly laid out in Romans chapter 5 and 6. But nonetheless, he was there sitting with, you know, the legendary great friend, Dr. William Lane Craig, mm. uh, the great Christian apologist and philosopher at Talbot Biola. And they're sharing the stage talking about a lot of key issues. Now, there was a lot of commonality. There's a lot of things that we share uh, between the two, but there are things that we uh, you know, uh, don't support doctrinally. And that's, this is one of them. The form of it is Mariology. Yes. Um, you know, to where it, and some people can go to the extent of putting Mary in the Trinity. Other people can say, no, she's more of like a mediator, uh, like Jesus was, or like when you look at Mormonism, you have Joseph Smith and you have Brigham Young and you have Jesus. So you have like a three panel person, uh, or when you look at Mo- the Islam and you have Allah with a, a good angel versus a bad angel. And when you're standing there before Allah, you know, Muhammad could be there as well. You know what I mean? So they have all these panels of what it's going to be like before you enter eternity, whatever that looks like. Well, with Christianity, there is none. There's Jesus. Yeah. The Bible says very explicitly in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, Jesus is the mediator between God and man. Amen. So when Jesus claimed, as we said in John 14, 6, no one comes to the Father except through him. Look, the Pope, I've been to the Vatican. I've met a lot of bishops. You know, um, I have have friends who are priests. Um, yes, this is not just a sticky issue. This is something that we divide over yeah. because no one replaces—they're no, not saying Mary replaces Jesus. But with Immaculate Conception, to make Mary into something that she clearly isn't um, is not biblical. And therefore, their, their soteriology or their hermartiology, their form of theology, will be affected as a result of this. We know based on Scripture, and Christians need to hold firm to this, there's no one who is the equal of Jesus, and there's no one who um, gives access through Jesus to the Father. There's not Jesus plus his wife, his mom, or Jesus plus his disciples or anything like that. So when Jesus says, I am the way, he never said, and my, my mother, 
right? The Bible, right. as I said, salvation is found in no one else. It says in no one else. You look at the Greek in Acts 4, verse 12. There's no other name under heaven given to mankind which we must be saved. That's what Paul, Peter, who was, in, who was filled by the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, said that. Not only that, but in John eight twenty four, Jesus says, I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am he. You will indeed die in your, die in your sins. Nothing about Mary whatsoever. In Luke chapter 2, Mary herself admits her sin yes. and her need for a Savior. She's anticipating the atonement of what was going to come through her son. Does she have it all together? Does she, did she understand everything completely? No, she didn't. But she never once, in all of Scripture that we see, from the point in which they took the body of her son, Jesus, our Savior, off the cross, not one time do we ever see, nor do we see in the early church or in any of the creeds, them worshiping or identifying Mary as an intercessor or one we should pray to who gives us access to her son at all. So again, these are formulations that the Catholic Church has put into their belief system, Mm -hmm. but it's nowhere found in Scripture. And they've added to Scripture, really, is is what I'm hearing you say. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So Jason, we just have a minute left. want to wrap it up by just pointing people to your book, and I think we have to have you back because we just there's so much more to dive into in your book, uh, including the table we talked about. But uh, it's challenging conversations, and I encourage you guys to pick it up. And next time Jason is on, we'll dive into some of these questions, whether it's same-sex marriage or transgenderism or how should Christians think about politics, which is really important because we're not engaging, and that's why we've given up so much ground here in this country, in this republic formerly under God. Jason Jimenez in the book Challenging Conversations, the website standstrongministries.org. God bless you, brother. To be continued. All right. Thank you, David. God bless you. Thanks. All right. When we come back, we'll let you know who our guests are the rest of this week and a couple of topics we'll be tackling. Keep it right here. Stand Up for the Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now, we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. All right, we do have a conversation going with uh, Travis, our Stand Up For The Truth producer, and I and Mr. Kevin Sorbo. And uh, we're going to get him on probably uh, by next week. He's, he's in another new uh, Christian film that's on the way. So we've had Sam Sorbo, his wife. We've talked about homeschooling and other issues in her new book. But um, tomorrow, we are going to go global Talk about what's happening from an aspect of biblical prophecy with Mr. Gary Kaw of Hope for the World. And you will hear from education expert Alex Newman on Wednesday. Wednesday, And then Mike Jendren, um, Proclaiming the Gospel Ministries. He's just a phenomenal evangelist and apologist, former Roman Catholic. And boy, does he know what the Catholic doctrine teaches. And he compares that to Scripture. We'll be talking with him. He will be in town the following week at a church in Green Bay, I believe on April 9 or 10. So Mike Gendron will be here Thursday to tell you about that. Good Friday, we'll be doing a little uh, scripture searching on um, Jesus and the suffering servant, Isaiah 53 and the Gospels and the prophetic entrance into Jerusalem and all that. We'll talk about that on this Good Friday and uh, more news to be continued next week. So I'm just excited about some of the guests we're getting. So thank you guys for your support and your prayers. Remember uh, the warfare. I know you have it in your own life as well, but we have it here almost constantly. Uh, Pray for us. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.